This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC. Women's WCHA. Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. The National Hockey League. Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Thrill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. And everything from the state of hockey. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title. Welcome to the Huskies Warming House Podcast Den. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huskies Warming House Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Maxson, who was taking the driver's seat this week on episode number 98. Noah Grandis to my right, or to your left, depending on how you're looking at this video, whether you're in front and back. I don't know. He's just over here. <laughs> and he's, he's in North Dakota. Uh, we're going to touch on a lot of action here from this last weekend, including men's and women's hockey. We'll dive into some other things happening around the NHL, including some all-star game festivities. And then can the Chicago Blackhawks be any worse? And we'll touch that on more in the extra ice session. But for now, we'll get things started in the weekly roundup with the center ice view news and notes and the Huskies illustrated weekly roundup. Center Ice View News and Notes. Center Ice View provides you with the best coverage of St. Cloud State Huskies hockey from game notes, recaps, photos, and more. Go to centericeview.com. You know, once again, as we take a look at some of the action from this weekend, uh, St. Cloud State men's. Some positives. Uh, However, for the Husky faithful who are probably slouching over their coffee and their hangover from whiskey, uh, ultimately swept by Denver this last weekend. Uh, Friday was actually looking all right early. Uh, Stormed out to a 3-0 advantage, uh, and then given up for the next five. Uh, Not a recipe for success. Um, A big part of that, a boarding major that uh, sent Nolan Walker to the dressing room, uh, sort of began that comeback for the Denver Pioneers. Uh, end up being an eight to five Denver victory at the one. It's all said and done. Uh, shots are fifty to twenty four for the Pioneers. Uh, three for six on the power play for Denver, so they win fifty percent. Uh, Saint Cloud State one for four on their opportunities. Uh, both teams also scored on a four on four opportunity. So again, you talk about that extra ice. Uh, both teams offensively gifted that helping them out there as well. Um, Saturday, uh, a much better defensive effort there. No, unfortunately. Couldn't score this time, so it was a two to nothing loss uh, for uh, for the Huskies. There shots a little bit closer this time, around thirty six to twenty two. Again, Denver's cashing in at least once in the power play, one for four. St. Louis zero for three, so the nation's best power play unit missing some key players again over in Beijing, uh, unable to find the back of the twine, both at even strength and again on the man advantage. Uh, Do you um, also tally to five on three goal? Uh, so Huskies. Had a, an issue early this season with uh, maybe taking too many penalties. We saw a little bit of that again this weekend, so that's a bit of a concern if you're a Huskies fan. 
Uh, St. Cloud State now 6-7-1 in conference play, 14-9-1 overall. Uh, still six points back from UMD Duluth uh, for that fourth and final home ice position in the NCHC. Again, two games in hand. Uh, the teams will meet again in just two days here this Tuesday uh, before they welcome in Western Michigan this weekend. Yeah, I will obviously dive into this one a little bit more, but the Huskies dropping to 10th in the pairwise uh, coming out this morning. So um, obviously a, a little bit of a, a little bit of a jump for them um, in the wrong direction, so to speak. But uh, yeah, obviously we're going to keep an eye on it uh, as always moving over to some women's hockey news uh, back in action, actually yesterday on Saturday against St. Thomas. Um, and uh, it was a three to two loss. I actually, I was going through the scores and I was like, I, I, I was actually, as I was plugging in the games, I saw Clara Hamlerova's name on there. And then I realized, wait a minute, this is October. This is not <laughs> the first time the Huskies have played St. Thomas. So I went through that. They uh, three to two loss, a one goal game for them yesterday. Allie Cornelius and Olivia Savar were the goal scorers for the Huskies. Um, actually, St. Cloud, uh, you want to talk about discipline and penalty trouble up two to nothing in that hockey game uh, before storming back St. Thomas did with three power play goals in the span of three and a half minutes Oof. in period number three. And I want to put it, put it to you this way it was Taylor Lind with uh two penalties back to back not on the same play um it was like a trip or, so, or a cross check or something and then it was an unsportsmanlike misconduct uh that ended up both those power plays and then a third penalty that ended up kind of wrapping that up for St. Thomas uh shots are pretty even 35 33 in favor of the Huskies uh Emma Paluzny stopping 30 of 33 but it wasn't enough for St. Cloud we'll have to see uh if they can kind of respond a little bit I think if you you take away you know, the penalty kill woes uh, and being shorthanded in that stretch of time. Maybe they take that hockey game. So they're back in action today on Sunday against uh, the St. Thomas Tommies. And then Ohio State is their matchup on Tuesday, followed by Minnesota, the Golden Gophers this weekend. So Ohio State, uh, kind of the makeup games for them, similar to what Duluth will be um, for the men's hockey team uh, in terms of that makeup schedule. So uh, best of luck to the women. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about them in the main portion of the show. Um, but really, I think the bulk of our coverage for them is going to come next week. Uh, we're going to have a ton of college hockey to talk about in episode 99, to say the least. That's for sure. Uh, not so much on the good news this week for the Huskies. Um, again, that 10th in the pairwise, that's huge. Um, that makes these next few games very, very important for the Huskies. Um, not only just for their conference standings, but 10th in the pairwise, that essentially puts you in bubble territory, uh, especially with the automatic bids with the conference winners. Uh, that That's flirting with some dangerous territory there. Uh, so again, uh, you could say that, you know, it, and I'll make this comment, Noah, before, and I know we'll dive into this too um, when we get to the main portion here. Uh, but, you know, you're never upset when guys like Perbix and Henches and Larson go on to to compete in international competition. But you do, you know, as a as a selfish hockey fan, you know, this is definitely one of those weekends they probably could have used both of them. And now with the pairwise being what it is, um, Again, they're going to be out for at least the next three games, if not five, depending on how things transpire for Team USA. Uh, this is a huge stretch for this hockey club, nonetheless. So yeah, it rest- is. yeah, it is. Oh, sorry. I, just, I just wanted to throw in, too, we talked a little bit about it last week. Um, you know, the, the loss of Will Hammer, I think, in games like that really yep. is starting to show a little mm-hmm. bit. But, but anyway. Yeah, 
Uh, we'll dive into that more. Uh, but let's just finish off the uh, the weekly round up here. No, there's not a whole lot of extra uh, we have to cover here. Uh, I think the biggest news is, hey, the World Cup of Hockey is coming back. Uh, February of 2024. Uh, last time this happened was 2016. That was up in Toronto. Uh, so that was that was pretty fun. Uh, at yeah. the end of the day, um, Canada won that event, sweeping Team Europe in the best of three final. Um, Anaheim and former Detroit Red Wings assistant Pat Verbeek is now the new GM of the Ducks. He spent time as an assistant there with uh, Stevie Y, um, also with uh, him in Tampa, and then again recently in Detroit. 57 year old uh, team North America director, I player personnel at the World uh, Cup of Hockey in 2016. Uh, been in the league for a while, 35 years. He's at over a thousand points as a player, uh, plus also a Stanley Cup victory in '99 with the Dallas Stars. And then a couple other side tidbits uh, Eric Stahl named Canada's Olympic team captain. That's pretty cool. Um, also, a side note for that here, Red Noah, is that he uh, verbally mentioned that he's excited for the Olympics, but more so, he's excited, and I quote, to play for an NHL squad after the Olympics are done. Ooh. Ooh. So uh, I don't know if that means that there's been some talks with uh, a certain club or certain other clubs. Uh, that's an interesting line. Uh, or maybe he just hopes that this will springboard him to maybe as a, as a cheap rental or as a teams up against the cap will, are looking for help. So I don't know. Maybe Minister brings it yeah. back. I don't know. Who knows? I'm, we'll see. I, I'm I'm assuming that there's uh, maybe a team out in a playoff push that's maybe looking for you know a depth piece that might be a bottom six player. Or I mean, he's not that old. I mean, is a team like Seattle looking for a veteran guy that they add for another year or two? I don't know. Who knows? Well, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, speaking of actual contract extensions, Minnesota locking up the big rig Jordan Greenway to three years, nine million dollars, so a three year per three million dollar per year deal. Uh, Brady McNabb in Vegas, the defense me also getting a very similar three year extension there, and then uh, some some not so great news for Montreal defenseman Denny. So sorry, not Denny Savard. He's Chicago for it, Nick. That's a David <laughs> Savard. Want to send the couple of Tampa woman's eight weeks with an ankle injury. And welcome to the main portion of the show again on the Huskies Warmer Nose podcast, episode number 98. Nick Maxson along with Noah Grant. Uh, Noah, plenty of college hockey to talk about. Uh, again, if you're Huskies fans, you're, you're kind of licking your wounds a little bit this weekend for the men's as well for the women's as well. Uh, it, it wasn't pretty. Uh, we'll dive into that here in a little bit, but uh, we do have to catch up on some trivia um, for those who are following along. Uh, what was the trivia question this week? Uh, it actually pertained to our Minnesota Wild. Uh, so, um, first of all, the first Wild player in an All-Star game was Marion Gabrick. Um, he won the fastest skater, actually, in that. Uh, the first Wild goalie to make the the affair was ever Minnesota Wild franchise uh, playoff goal, and that was defenseman Philippe Kuba. I'm, did you know that off the top of your head? Like easily? I did, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, impressive. I uh, 54th All-Star game, which was held right in St. Paul back in 2004. So, and boy, I got to be honest, you know, the, the, that was kind of the old uh the old cream and wheat All-Star jerseys. I I mean, I went back and obviously found some of the pictures and I remember them from when I was a kid. I still think those were actually kind of slick. Maybe just because they're they're Minnesota Wild colors and they look, you know, nice, but I always thought that they were cool. Uh, you know, Vegas, as much as I'll give him credit for a great all-star weekend, those jerseys. Eh, yeah, eh, I would say I would average. say the only the only team that they really kind of look good was the Metro. I think the Blues look good together. But Blues yeah, the, good, yeah, the Central's kind of look like someone, you know, left a skid mark. 
<laughs> decided it would make a nice jersey one day. Skid um, mark on your brand new shade carpet. Yeah, yeah, not, not good. Uh, but you know, with that, so with that being said, Metro actually did win the uh, the All Star game. They're that best of three on three tournament there, there Noah. But uh, so yeah, Philip Kuba, what a name, what a guy. Um, you know, yeah, one of those are early. Uh, you could call it a stalwart there for the Minnesota Wild franchise. But let's get right into it, right? Uh, men's hockey. This was an important weekend. Not that there ever isn't an important weekend, Noah, but you're trying uh, to pick yourself up after a, a, a disappointing performance in Grand Forks. Uh, you go into a Denver Magnus. You haven't had recent success there since 2015, 2016. Uh, at the end of it, this was... I'm not sure if this was must-win territory, but you definitely needed to get at least something from this weekend. Unfortunately, the Huskies, in terms of points, didn't get a darn thing. And that's, uh, as you mentioned, with the pairways dropping from fifth to tenth, that uh, that is that brings up a second. You know, we often give wild, uh, not wild, Husky fans a little bit of grief for the alarm bells. There's there's some legitimacy to the alarm bells this time with with the pairways yeah. dropping to tenth. There is. Um, and I think probably probably more so just like the previous weekend, more so on Friday than Saturday. I think Saturday was a much better response. Obviously, you got to score a goal <laughs> to win a hockey game. You can't put a goose egg up on the board. I was actually looking, uh, you know, because you had mentioned games in hand. Uh, it's actually Omaha is the only team that the Huskies actually have games in hand in right now. So Omaha is actually tied with St. Cloud at 19 points. Um St. Cloud and Duluth, because oh, yeah. Duluth and Miami were off this weekend. That's uh, right. both, both teams actually at 14 points. Um, don't mean to be the bearer of bad news here, Nick. Um, obviously, a lot of hockey left to be played, so anything can happen. Uh, but right now, uh, statistically, as I kind of look at my math, um, you know, the Huskies do have Western Michigan, who's in third, and Duluth, who's in fourth, up next. Um, and Duluth mm-hmm. is going to be the team to beat right now. Um, I think. Uh, first and second for sure, and maybe even third place right now is probably unattainable for the Huskies in the NCHC. It just is based, just based mathematically, on mathematically. Yeah, unless mathematically, they can, it's tough. Unless they unless they can take all four from Duluth and take both from Western Michigan, that's probably the only hope here. Um, now I say that for a reason. Uh, number one, the Huskies still have Duluth four times to play. So if you want home ice, you've got to take care of both Duluth, and they've also got Omaha, who's ahead of them who's played two more games, you got to take care of all those opponents. You got to take at least three or four, three or four from the Bulldogs and Omaha as well. Now let's go back uh, a a ways here before we kind of talk about this weekend. I think part of the perception too, and obviously the Huskies are not trending in the right direction. I'll, I'll be the first one to admit it this week. I think that there was so much excitement around this team because they played so much hockey early on in the season and they played a lot of good opponents for the most part, right? Obviously Wisconsin is not having the best season. St. Thomas is not having the best season. Huskies split with Mankato arguably should have beaten Minnesota. Um, I would say in that weekend but split, with, split with them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that there was a lot of excitement and I think that they were, similar to the pod last year, a well, you know, well-oiled machine, because I think the Huskies actually respond playing more hockey in a short amount of time. They're going to get their wish this week, by the way. Um, yes, they are. But um, I think that they benefited from that moving in. And then you play North Dakota in the first week of December. You don't play hockey for three weeks. You have a weekend series that, yeah, it was a good building block, but doesn't mean a whole lot. It probably had more pairwise implications than it did, you know, anything else, obviously. Then the Huskies don't play for three more weeks. They play an NCHC opponent that part of my French really shitty. Um, and then they get two of the best teams in the NCHC and 
to be fair, two of the best teams in the country, especially last weekend, and you're missing two of your best producers and your head coach this week as well. There are some pieces that go into this that I think there is some sort of explanation for this. However, that being said, you can't give up 10 goals in a weekend and especially uh, eight on that Friday. No. Um, and the Huskies did Way everything. Too many we, penalties too. Yeah. Way and the Huskies did everything. Let's take a positive. The Huskies did exactly what we wanted them to do on Friday. How about the start? Fantastic first period for the Huskies. Um, all things considered, obviously, you know, getting a couple of bounces, but I think St. Cloud needed that. Um, I, I, the discipline was very poor. I want to get your thoughts. The officiating as well, though, I don't think was particularly amazing. You, obviously, you, obviously no. you, you create your own things, but uh, Nolan Walker's boarding major changed the complexion of that hockey game for better or worse. I think it, it did, you know, and, and I'm sorry about the officiating argument from a fan's perspective. Yeah, it's it's a talker. Yeah, it can affect games. It it's lazy. I'm sorry. There's there's plenty more that the Huskies did to you know to shoot themselves in the foot than the refs did. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I don't want to point anybody else specifically, but I kind of have to. Brodzinski, his fourth misconduct of the season. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hate to say it, man, but that's it's it's it shows because it's it's not the misconduct, right? It's it's a deeper than that. It's there's some frustration frustration here there's there's some frustration and more so when the huskies are getting or not getting the bounces when the huskies are not or playing the well they have what they've shown this season is they get undisciplined and then what happens is they create their own snowball that rolls down a not a hill it's like it just gets pushed off a cliff and what concerns me about that is you know it's i don't know if it's pressure I don't know if it's because this team really does indeed it's in their heads. They really want to get back and get to the national championship game. And maybe they're just focusing in a little bit too far ahead. Um, you know, I guess, you know, in the schedule or whatever you might call it, but you know, it was, it's completely opposite to what we saw last year where this team got down and, you know, it was just like, eh, we're fine. You know, it, it didn't seem like it rattled their cage as much. I feel like this year, when, when they're not getting their way, I feel like it's just affecting them between the ears a little bit more than it did last year. And that's a cause for concern because if it's, if there's anything we lauded last year, right, is this team's ability to be resilient, to be able to look past little bumps, that center ice goal and, you know, for David Rennick there in the NCHC tournament, it's those kind of things that, you know, show a mature hockey team that show, you know, that they have confidence this weekend and the way that Friday transpired after, as you mentioned, having a really good start, and just sort of the wheels not just coming off, they exploded off. Um, that's concerning yeah. in itself. So, yeah, that's – I'm sorry. The referee thing, that's lazy. It's frustrating, mm -hmm. but it's lazy. Uh, but, no, let, let's actually break this down a little bit, right? So, obviously, the defensive part of this is, is to me, the, the big part, right? You, give up, you go up three, you got to be able to lock things down. And granted, the penalties don't help. Being uh, shorthanded doesn't help. Having – Again, some personnel out, but hockey doesn't care. Sports don't care. You know, whether it's injuries, whether it's Olympics, whether it's COVID, you've got to be able to put a, a an effort there on the ice. So I guess if there is one thing besides the discipline for you, what was the big, you know, I guess, you know, the negative energy that you saw from this Husky squad that contributed to uh, the weekend's, uh, weekend's results? Yeah, like you said, a snowball effect, I think, going back to last year as well, too, by the way. The Huskies have yet to have a game this year that was akin to the Colorado College comeback last year in the pod. You remember that? They went down 3-0. Right. Yeah. 
And the Husky and you know, the Huskies Nation was like, "How are we losing to CC like this?" They come back. Nick Perbix ties the game, and Huskies win that one in overtime. Kind of a gutsy finish, similar to actually what Denver did with Miami uh, last weekend on Friday. Got a little bit of a scare, but then you know, you know, had had that comeback. The Huskies, I think, needed needed a game like that this year to kind of just feel like they can come back in a hockey game. And once the train started rolling, um, you know, like you said, it, it was a monumental collapse for St. Cloud. I. Uh, yeah, Nick, I think it just goes back, you know, kind of to your defensive point, simple transition and managing the game. How about this? Like we mentioned, shots 15-15 in period number one on Friday. Huskies registered nine shots to the rest of that hockey game. Shots were 19-3 to in period number Oof. two and 16-6 to in period number three. Now, granted, Oof. Part, of, part of period number two, part of that, part of that difference is going to be a five-minute major power play and another power play, uh, you know, stretched in there. Um, but defensively, um, sometimes it goes back to when you're hemming your own zone, how good are you at alleviating pressure? We talk so much about, you know, especially as you get up to the higher levels, the NHL off the glass, right? You know, the simple, you know, that, that's kind of the mentality where every NHL player is a high float in the air or it's a chip off the glass that, you know, alleviates pressure. That I think goes back to, to St. Cloud is they're such a transitional speed based come in with numbers, come in with depth team. And when that's not happening, you can see the frustration. Sometimes, especially with a team as ungodly offensively gifted this year as Denver is, and I want to put this out there, Denver could win a national championship very easily this year. Yes. They are that They are that good. The, good. Fact, the fact that they're only number three in the pairwise right now is honestly a freaking joke. Um, and I know that pairwise is based on math, but like they are that good, um, offensively at least. Um but when teams are not being able to play to their identity, which I think that's the, what the Huskies play to, I think they have a tough time just kind of living to fight another day and being that team that's going to float a puck off the glass or float a puck out to the neutral zone. I think they maybe need a little bit of that and just, you know, kind of finding a way to just alleviate pressure. And when they're not doing that, they're running around. They're taking undisciplined penalties. They're getting on the PK. It's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy in a sense. So I think that's the start. And the other piece, like you mentioned, Nick, is discipline. And I got to be honest, we we touched on it a little bit. What's more concerning? You know, that, for example, Easton Brodzinski's got four 10-minute misconducts this season. Or that a fifth-year player. Was at, and was benched after the third one for a game, too, for it. Or that a fifth-year player has, 10, has four 10-minute misconducts in a season. Yeah, you, know, you know, like, I mean, it's, you know, tomato, tomato, honestly, it can't happen. Yeah. You want your leader to not do that. Um, but to me, it shows, again, I look at it a little bit past the the surface level, right? If, if he's a so-called leader in the locker room, right? He doesn't wear a letter and that's fine because you don't have to, to be a voice in the locker room. Right. Correct. Um, but if, if, if that is what your leadership group is setting as a precedence where I'm going to let my emotions get the best of me. And that means that I'm taking a 10 minute misconduct. Mind you, we we've, we've lauded Easton for his offensive abilities. Certainly could have used that on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly could have used it at parts on Friday. I'm sure. Um, what the heck happened, man? It's it's again, it's and if, and if, if he's the one that's showing frustration, does that mean the rest of the benches? I would think that it, it's, it's, it has to be it, right. Exactly. Exactly. My point is there a trickle down effect, you know, cause I yeah. think that 
Um, one of the few Huskies that offensively had a strong weekend this weekend, uh, kind of as usual, has been Kevin Fitzgerald. Kind of found yes, his form has. a little bit. I think that Kevin has probably been the most consistent veteran player, aside from maybe David Rennick, um, yep. in, in terms of that, um, in terms of the fifth-year players. Um, but going back to that, I think the Huskies, uh, dare I say, have really almost uh, flip-flop spots with Denver. Um, yeah. compared to last year. They're the they new Denver this year. I, I hate to say it right now. And I say that because of this. Uh, let's go back to um, the opponent that the Huskies will have this weekend, not on Tuesday, because, of course, Duluth was off. Uh, this weekend, it was an 8-2 win on Friday for Western Michigan over Colorado College. This one was at Ed Robeson Arena in CC. Uh, last night, 5-4 to four finish, right? Uh, yeah. Western Michigan narrowly eking out the game against the Tigers. Go back last weekend, Miami narrowly taking away from Denver and Denver finds a way to pull that one out. The Huskies, um, they really haven't put themselves in a position to be a bounce away from stealing a hockey game. And I think that's what good teams do is that when you go down against a team who's 45th or 49th in the country, then you just, you find that extra bit of life or when then after you go through a game like that, akin to the CC game for the Huskies last year, then when you go down against a team like Denver, whom you held a lead, you're not done. You're out of the fight. You, you've you been there before and you know how to respond. Uh, for whatever reason, this Husky squad uh, just hasn't found that extra gear right now. I, th- I I still go back. I think part of it is not playing it more than a weekend of hockey in almost seven weeks in that stretch there. It doesn't help. And then jumping back into the hardest conference in college hockey. And, now, then, I want- having, and then having your lines and your personnel all goofed up because of um, Olympic, you know, subtractions. Correct. That doesn't um, help either. But I want to ask you this question um, while we're talking about players, Nick, uh, David Rennick uh, this yeah. weekend, do you, do you put any of this uh, on David? Is he starting to struggle or do you think it's a case of, I mean, he saw 50 shots on Friday night and only allowed two on Saturday. It's a, so it's a bit of both. And and I want to explain my point, right? Is when you're, when you're a goaltender, you're in the crease and you're, you're looking at the team in front of you, right? David Rennick is a fantastic communicator on the ice. He sees it. He's almost like an assistant coach on the ice. Honestly, um, he does direct traffic. With that being said, if he's reading the entire ice, which goaltender should be doing, more so he's reading his players. Are they gripping the sticks too tight? Are they are they getting a little bit too much pressure one on one because they're they're just trying to make a play right? When you see your team in front of you running around, that changes the way you play the game as a goaltender. Yeah. It really does. Um, there is a trickle down effect. So I, I don't. He, he's part of the problem just by proxy, but is he a or the problem? No, no. I think he's trying to do whatever he can based on what is happening in front of him. Um, and I, you know, that brings up my secondary point, Noah, to, you know, the defensive goals. One thing we saw last year for this team offensively was we talk about those grease pangles. Where's the grit in front of the net this year? There's none. Yeah. There really isn't. It's, it's either rush or pretty cycle plays and granted, those are great. I've yet to really see this season any of those second or third chance opportunity goals, you know, consistently, you know, that Dave Shayek, a lot of grease pan type mentality. I haven't seen that at all this does, year. And, and that's concerning. Does, does the loss of Will Hammer uh, allude to that? We talked about it. Yes, uh, it absolutely does. We talked about, I, I can't remember exactly when we talked about it, Noah, but that fourth, the, that, true 
fourth line that has that identity to go and shut down opponents, to be gritty, to win faceoffs in in key situations, no matter which zone that puck is in. They don't yeah. have that this year, and I really think it's starting to show how important that loss has been. Because even and we talk, we we're missing Jared Cockrell too. I thought, you know, granted yeah. he left too, but he was very dynamic too for that fourth line because it, again, both Will Hammer and Jared Cockrell they accepted that fourth line role. They played to it. Um, and that really drove opponents nuts because when you needed offensive zone time or whether you needed to get the puck out of your zone and just weather a storm, right? That fourth line could do whatever you asked them to do and do it well. They gave your top guys a rest. I don't know if you've noticed it this year, but with Brett Larson, he's really hasn't found that consistent fourth line. They've, they've rotated uh, Aiden Spellacy in and out, um, uh, Joey Molinar, um, they've tried Thomas Rocco. I mean, it, it, they haven't found that recipe yet. And, 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 and let's go back even more to, you know, the fourth line. Obviously, the goal is to kind of be an energy line and stay even or better in the plus minus column, so to speak. Um, wh- however, you viewed that flaw stat regardless. I think it goes even deeper to that, Nick. Uh, if you're Brett Larson and there's a minute 30 left in the hockey game, unlike the last year or two, who are you tapping on the shoulder to take that face off? Right now, this year, it's been Kevin Fitzgerald. That's who yeah. he's put out there. But and, that, and 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 this is no offense to Kevin. I think he's having a whale of a season. Fantastic human being. Not the greatest um, in the dot. Not the greatest in the dot. No. And, and he's we, he's not he's not a guy that. Uh, and I think historically, just because he's been a top six guy for a long time, um, not that not that not that it particularly makes a difference. But I think when you're thinking a little more offensively minded you're thinking more about the next play after the faceoff as opposed to what's in the dot versus Will Hammer might play, for example, nine minutes a night. Eight and a half of those might be D-zone draws that... Extremely shot. valuable minutes. Exactly. Extremely valuable minutes. Um, before uh, before we look at what's next for this week, right, Noah, um, because I do think it's, you know, we're, we're, we're definitely trying to pick ourselves up here, right? There's, yeah, you know, I guess if there's, if there's some positives some right this team has the skill to do it's got it's got the depth right and i guess for me and i'll get your take on this too what i'm nervous about is could also be a positive whereas you can forget about this game easily on tuesday if you have a good game right they get a chance to try to really stop the bleeding on tuesday however if this team is a little, if this team is a little bit tired, if they're a little bit banged up, Duluth has been off, so they're well rested, and you do not have a good showing against Duluth on Friday. This is going to put us. I mean, I guess let me ask you. Let me ask you this: Are we in full? Are we, I mean, are we in full five alarm bell territory if we drop on Tuesday against Minnesota Duluth? Pretty close. Yeah. Um, you know, here's what I want to say. Now, St. Cloud State has three hockey games this week. Uh, both against the two teams that are sitting ahead of them in the standings. Uh, Mm -hmm. Theoretically, Nick, uh, should the Huskies take all three this weekend, St. Cloud would be, uh, if my master has been correct, at 28 points, that would put them above Duluth in fourth place and would put them within striking distance to Western Michigan for third. So if the Huskies can figure it out at the right time, I, I mean, there could be a huge difference here. Now, um, we have not seen Duluth yet this year. It's one of the few NCHC opponents we have not seen. The Huskies historically, I think at least last year, had a little bit of the upper edge. 
Um, Duluth has had kind of an up and down season themselves. Yeah. I think the Huskies uh, biggest game of the season on Tuesday for a multitude of reasons. Uh, yep. One confidence building, if anything, but two, we talked about, you know, the Huskies a little bit. I predicted a split and said it kind of had to be a little bit ugly, but I don't care how Tuesday happens. You can get outshot by 78. You can pull a Colorado college in the NCHC playoffs. As long as you get that second goal. Um, I don't care how it happens. Yep. You need a win. Needs to at this point. Need a win. You, you need, need a win. And you, need all three, and you need all three points you need in a regulation. Yeah, you do. You need all three points. Um, and not only do you need all three points, uh, you need some momentum building thing that pushes you in there. I think you need two of your next three at least uh, in terms of the win column. Kind of going back a little bit, uh, you want to talk about teams that have good depth and a good fourth line, I think, um, continually. Obviously, Duluth on Tuesday, but Western Michigan this weekend um, you know, is a team to kind of be to pay attention to. So let's go back to their last four or last six. Why don't we since, uh, you know, they had a couple of common opponents for the Huskies uh, sweeping North Dakota four to one and two to nothing uh, a couple weekends ago before North Dakota, St. Cloud traveled to Grand Forks, excuse me. Uh, but then Duluth, a five to four win over the Western Michigan Broncos and then an overtime victory for Western Michigan three to two against the Bulldogs before the the little bit of a scare on Saturday against CC last weekend. So here's, here's why I bring that up again too. the Huskies last year. Uh, again, we're going to start comparing the Huskies last year, or the new 2018 Nick, um, <laughs> 2018, 19. But I go back to that because you earn a split. Western Michigan was in both of those hockey games, regardless of the win or loss against Duluth. They earned at least a split on the weekend that's kind of been the difference right now is that the Huskies have not been in games enough to kind of give themselves a one shot, you know, you know, thing and Western Michigan has, but they also similar to Duluth have not been this juggernaut powerhouse that I think it feels like for Huskies hockey fans right now, it feels like St. Cloud is a, is a world away from being in a comparison with these teams right now. After last weekend, mm -hmm. we got to remember we just held the best offensive team in the NCAA to two goals last night. That's a positive. Take that. We talked about how poor they were defensively on Friday. I would say for the most part, they cleaned it up on Saturday. The shot margin was a lot smaller. Now here's, here's the thing though, right? And that gotta is, put, you got to put the puck in the back of the net. That And that's the thing, right? Is, you know, at times during the season and especially during this, these latest four games skid, right? Noah's at good teams, have all the right buttons clicking and for the Huskies. And again, for a multitude of reasons, you know, some we know, so maybe we don't know, haven't been able to get all facets of the game clicking at once. And that's, yeah. that to me is the most concerning because now it's, it's, it's February, right? You have four weeks left in the regular season. And at this point, if this is your, this is your turning point. This week is your turning yes, point is. of the season. I, I, um, I think. I, I think though, can you go back? Not that. Not that we're we're here for moral victories. I I chuckle um, listening to the the Twitter base when I say the word moral victories. Um, and you know why. But do you go back though? If you go into that weekend, uh, you lose on Friday, and you wake up on Saturday, and you say, "Hey, about halfway through period number three, you're going to be down one nothing." Would you take it? I asked that question honestly because would you Here's, take a one-shot hockey game? Yes, I know it was not the greatest weekend for the Huskies, but would you take the number three team in the country down by a goal in in their own building? No. Would you take it? 
no, because I don't like the question. And here's, and here's, let me, so here's, and here's, let me rephrase it. Why can't you be up one nothing? I understand that. I'm just saying, you know what I mean? Gonna be, if you're going to be down. But that's, but that to me is almost like you're expecting to be down at that point. I'm saying, I'm saying, are you taking the one shot hockey game? And I think that's what the Huskies really have that's, not been yeah. in one in one shot hockey games for a while. That's, uh, yeah, that's part of it. Yeah. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think anybody would want to be more than one shot out of a hockey game, but at the end of it, you know, the Huskies, you know, a couple of trends here, right. They were down on Saturday, couldn't come back and then they got up on Friday and then they self imploded. So they're having the worst of both worlds right now. Let's, let's take about what's, what's actually take it for what it is. Right. Um, yeah. you know, is hey, there... you, asked, you asked me to find positives, so I'm, I'm trying here. I know. I know that the, the <laughs> issue, the issue is, is that, you know, the, the positives, yeah, there, there's some, and that's fine. And this isn't, you know, we're not talking about this. Is, we know we're not talking about a team like Miami, right. Who has multitudes of problems they can't solve. Right. I think what's frustrating with this bunch is that there are problems that they can solve. Question yeah. is, how is it that they haven't been able to and consistently? And especially with now, if you're if you're really this is now where you really try to prep for the NCAA tournament, the NCHC tournament. You know, I, this is an important stretch for this hockey club. Again, uh, now, tu- now I, tu- Tuesday I, could I, be their season. Honestly, now I wouldn't go that far. I I would, I would. I would just I would not say the Huskies backs are totally against the wall yet, but I would say they are running down the alley and staring at it. That's, that would be my point. Now. Well, what I was, what I mentioned here real quick, this week, I would say this week is the Husky season. I don't think Tuesday specifically, I would agree with you in the sense that Tuesday is the biggest game game of the year for, for a multitude of reasons. Mentally, Mentally, though. Yes. Mentally Tuesday. That's what I mean. It it could be their season because my, my fear is with, you know, when you got young kids, they're feeling the frustrations. They know they need to be better. They know they can be better. Right. Um, You're, you're trying to get over some things that are beyond your control again with lapses in roster. We've hit, we beat the dead horse in that already enough, but you know, they and this is where we talk about the mentality of hockey of any athlete, right? And staring down that same alley as you discussed, right? They're not dumb. They understand what's going on. They understand what they're what they've trended to. And I'll tell you what, these next couple of days, you hope that they have some way to just clear the head. Yeah. Right? Somewhere where they can go into Tuesday's game. And as you mentioned, I don't care how they do it. But they need to get that. They need to get a victory. And to me, you know, my fear is the mentality side. If they drop on Tuesday in, in any fashion, whether it's in regulation, overtime, shootout, that's five losses in a row in the athlete's head, right? And to me, that could be pretty damning going into Western Michigan, who has had their number as of recently, you know, the last couple of years. So. I don't know. It's it's a little, it, it, a little it's tough. A little bit a little bit more in Kalamazoo, obviously, than than at right. the Brooks Special Hockey Center. But you know what, Nick? Uh, why don't we take a lesson from a common NCAC opponent losing five in a row themselves? Fear is a wonderful thing sometimes. Sometimes yeah. being scared uh is a wonderful thing and makes you play to another level. Who am I talking about? Huskies fans asked the University of North Dakota. Um yeah. now they did drop an overtime contest after going up two to nothing against Omaha last weekend. But they strung together three straight victories, uh, two of those against our St. Cloud State Huskies. And their backs were kind of against the wall, sitting 13th in the pairwise. I think they're still at 12. Um, 
this this weekend with the split against Omaha, who's like 19th or 20th. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, it's a big week. Yeah, <laughs> I think that, I think that's I think that's not putting it lightly. Big week for women's hockey too. I think we're going to touch on women's hockey pretty extensively in next week's show, just because they've yeah. got three games as well, plus the game today. So we got four games to talk about with them. So we'll kind of leave them, I think, on the back burner. But uh, yeah, one team that's been exciting though, Nick. Minnesota Wild. Yeah. Uh, franchise record for points after uh, 41 games. Uh, 28, 10, and 3, I believe. Yep, 28, 10, and 3. Um, is, there, is there record again? Kaprizov and Talbot, All-Stars. Um, you know, the All-Star game is the All-Star game. Um, I, I really did like some of the, the different things that Vegas did to try to make it a little bit more interesting. Um, I liked that, uh, that 21 shooting contest. That was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. with the cards. Um, I liked how they built platforms in the middle of the Bellagio fountains and did like the sauce toss pass, uh, competition in the middle of the fountains. That was kind of neat. Um, can I be a Debbie? Da- can I be a Debbie downer here? Can I, can I be, can, can I, no, oh, you're, can I be you for a change? That's what sure. I was about to yeah. say. Okay. Sure. You know what competition I'm starting to like less and less. What's up? The, the creative shootout competition where you do all the crazy little, the yeah. Superman stuff. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid, I loved it. Thought it was cool. Now, I, and I understand why they don't go, you know, balls to the walls, so to speak. You know, because the goaltenders they don't want them to be, <laughs> you know, diving and overextending in some of the shootout things. But I always loved the actual the shootout contest where you had to come in and you had to score X amount of goals to beat whatever division you were playing. I like that one a lot better. I really would like to see the creative shootout once goal. Like it's good for the game. I understand. It's good for the kids. Um, that's but as I get it, it, it won't leave until yeah. They, I just basically unless they look at the the roster and see that nobody can be creative and, and do some cool Trevor Zegras, you know, wizardry with the puck. That yeah, that, that was that, insane. Holy that smokes. was nuts. Um, that's not going to go anyway. That's not going anyway because as yeah. you mentioned, you know, the league definitely is trying to appeal to a wider fan base. Uh, so you can thank Trevor Zegers for probably saving the competition, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but it, like you said, that's going to definitely appeal to the younger generations uh, for you yeah. and I. I mean, still, that was an unbelievable show of skill from Trevor Zegers. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. And how about uh, Jordan Cairo in the fastest skater? Wow. Holy cow. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a guy that two years ago, I don't think anybody would have, you know, he was just a rookie in the St. Louis Blues. And now he's, he's starting to make a name for himself here pretty quick. Yeah, kind he's, of he's, a, to he's a, a good player. Similar to a guy by the name of Victor Hedmond. How do you feel about the hardest shot? Do you feel like that's an honorary thing at this point now that Zdeno Chara isn't in it? Or that one is kind of a meh one for me, too. Do we? Do you say the same thing when Al McInnes also retired? Yeah, that's fair. You know, because so. yeah. Al McInnes, you know, was is sort of that, you know, it's a Daniel Chara back, you know, the 90s, early 2000s, too, with, yeah. you know, hitting over 100 miles an hour at that point. You know, again, I'm going back in history here when I was, you know, well before you were even you know yeah. breathing air do, um do you know you what think that, do you think that trend will change because i think zidane ochara and al mckinnis to their credit great hockey players growing up in an era where it was common to have the big booming defenseman with the hard shot i think defensemen are becoming more quinn hughes-esque a lot more well-rounded but i think sacrificing a little bit of shooting pattern now granted those guys still shoot 100 miles an hour but there's a difference between 100 and 106 um oh yeah oh really yeah, it's 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 called math. I, I tried it once. Yeah, right. No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I, yeah, the game's evolving, but again, you're you're still gonna get defensemen that come in, and I mean, Minnesota's got kind of. I mean, Matt Dumb has still got a pretty hard shot. I mean, yeah, it's not as hard as the the, the guys we're talking about, um, 
but I don't think it's necessarily a function or a, or a conclude or a, what do you call it? It's it's not because the game is changing. I don't think you're going to see that dwindle. I I really don't because you're still going to have guys that come in that can skate well and then just have hard shots, right? I mean, look Shea Weber. I mean, you know, we're yeah. forgetting about a guy also who's got a pretty rocket of a shot. And unfortunately for him, his NHL career is very much in question with uh, some of the injuries that he's had. And that's that's too bad because Shea Weber, I think, was one of the better old school state home, you know, physical type defensemen uh, that played the game in recent times. And it's, you know, sad to see him be sidelined for this year and possibly longer. Um, again, still nothing official on his situation. But uh, no, I mean. Yeah, and the All Star Game is a money grab. Let's just be honest. You know, the, you, yeah. you you're trying to accept that you're trying to excite the fan base. I think, honestly, for Vegas, I think they tried some different things there that uh, I think we haven't really seen in the past to try to spice it up a little bit. So I give them at least a little credit for trying. Um, but does the maybe do they need a refresh and some of those actual competitions? Right, I think there is some do, but you know, the, then the question is, well, what, what do you do? Right. So what what are those refreshes? I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, uh, definitely. I've always actually, I was always a fan of the the skills one where they had to, you know, go through the the pucks and things like that and stick handle through oh, them. The stick handling, yeah. But but I think it's funny because I would love to see that competition had it not been in an NHL rink full of people. I think if you take guys on just a casual Sunday skate, it, they're even more impressive. I think that the pressure of knowing that you got to <laughs> do it cleanly one time, you know, obviously is an added challenge. Guys like Patty Kane, though, were so good on their edges for things like that as well, too. Um, exciting, though, for, you know, Minnesota to kind of get back in action, right? They've got Winnipeg on Tuesday, and then yep. uh, they're off again uh, until Saturday against Carolina. Don't forget uh, the men's prelims uh, for the Olympics start on Wednesday. Uh, so yep. Sam Hentges, Nick Perbix, uh, pay attention to that. I know Huskies fans groan because they're like, well, they couldn't have flown, you know, today. Um, but anyway, um, the, yeah. the other the other piece of this too, uh, the women's hockey team for the United States is three and zero so far, or about to be three and zero. Currently winning, it was five nothing last I checked uh, this morning. Uh, but Nick, what did you think of uh, Kirill Kaprizov in the All Star game? I thought he looked uh, not out of place at all. Um, he looks like yep. an All Star, which that's cool for Minnesota Wild fans, like a legitimate superstar. You know? Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Um, looked like he belonged there, um, as he should have been, right? So um, did Cam Talbot, for for that matter. Yeah, um, really liked um, his tribute to Ovechkin and even the <laughs> yeah. uh, the the squirt and then the the hot hands. Uh, that oh, oh man, I, could, I I would love to have been a fly in the wall um, on Ovechkin's living room after he saw that live. That would have been probably a fantastic reaction to capture. <laughs> did, did you hear the question they asked uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov in the championship game where they're like, you know, how how frustrated is Alex Ovechkin to miss this <laughs> event? And uh, Kuzi was like, ah. <laughs> anyway. Sick. Yeah, he's. He goes, yeah, COVID just, COVID just happens like that. I'm like, yeah. how much do you think Ovi paid for, for that one? I, yeah, right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um. <laughs> I don't know. Either way. Yeah. He's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I mean, I, I get it. Right. Cause, and we can open up an entire can of worms in the Ovechkin thing. And I've, you know, I've got, I've got no problem with it. And I say what we're talking about for those who don't know is, is uh, people getting quote unquote injured, so to speak, to miss the all-star game. It used to be a one game um, ban on either side of the all-star game. If you did something like that or, or just elected, not injured, but like elected essentially to um, miss the all-star game. Now I, I basically, think, basically, I, basically if, for those who don't know it, once, if you're voted, you got to go. 
Yeah. That's now. Yeah. I I gotta be honest. I, I, I am in favor of the, if you've been to a, like five all-star games or something or six all-star games, then you have the option at that particular juncture. I'm okay with that because, you know, I mean, to be the league fair, doesn't like it, it's a money grab. You need those stars to be there. Come on, Noah. Yeah, I know. But I don't know how many, I, how many, how many stars make six all-star games. The active leader right now is Patty Kane with nine. So that's actually a pretty impressive feat to, I would, I would, change it slightly i'd say if you get to the age 35 then you okay. can opt out that's right honestly because i mean kaprizov's gonna be more than five all-star games before he's even close to that age lord i hope so yeah right so uh, <laughs> with that being said here no i do think we have to uh you know end the main portion of the show here and then talk about uh uh another nhl squad that has had uh, oh boy we'll say it uh, not the brightest yeah. of uh last eight nine twelve months years uh, oh. Sorry. Yeah, it, it's it, <laughs> it's it's been a, a fall from grace, unlike we've ever seen before. Uh, we'll put it to you that way, and uh, we'll head over there right now. And the X-ray session again, Nick Maxson along with Noah Grant and uh, Chicago, Chicago. Hmm. Uh, let's set the table, right, Noah? Um, didn't he, didn't he used to be when we mentioned Chicago? It was like Chicago, Chicago. You know, like it no. was. It was. It was we were, upbeat. We, it was. We, we were still depressed, but it was because they were winning Stanley Cup. Yeah. And they were a good hockey. You know, hockey team in the Minnesota Wild could never beat them when it mattered. I yeah. digress from that conversation. However, uh, this is you, you talk about self imploding. You talk about you know how there's there's franchises and there's things that happen and people make mistakes, right? And then it's it's not only that you make the mistake, right? It's how do you respond? How do you pick yourself up? How do you move forward from that mistake, right? Yeah. Um, this is, yeah. So for those who, uh, who have lived have, under a rock the last 12 months, right? I have quotes. I have quotes. Cool. Would you, like, would you like to hear them? In just a moment, yes. Okay. Um, for, for those who are, uh, for those who have, like I said, lived under a rock the last 12 months, again, uh, Chicago Blackhawks were uh, independently investigated after it was uh, shared that back in 2010 when they won their first Stanley Cup in some time, um, had a player that was uh, sexually assaulted by a member um, of the Chicago Blackhawks organization. Um, it was then determined after the investigation that uh, the proper channels were made aware of said abuse. It was essentially pushed under the rug. And then, worst of all, because this was not essentially attended to, that same person um, went on to other um, jobs after his with the Blackhawks and continued that same behavior. And in fact, uh, multiple victims after um, the NHL player, which was recently named Kyle Beach. Um, there hasn't really been since that report, Noah, um, a chance. There's never been a media availability about it. There's been statements made by the league and by the Blackhawks, and it's the usual prepped BS. And I'm saying BS because you have some quotes for me. Um, and what happened here uh, just a few days ago, Rocky Wirtz, the, uh, the chairman and CEO of the Blackhawks, um, there was basically a town hall forum. And uh, let's just say that there were some questions asked of what is the what are the Blackhawks doing essentially to prevent this thing from happening again? And let's just say the responses could not have been worse. Yeah. We'll leave boy. it at that. Like, bad. Really <laughs> bad. It, it, it shows 
there's there's a lot to dissect from this, but I think let's let's start with the quotes actually, because I think it's important to to get the quotes out there and we we can dissect from there. Yeah, in fact, I'm kind of thinking this is this is kind of a, a thing here. I think I might actually end up running the audio over top of this just so you can kind of hear the gravity uh, of this clip as well too. But uh, um, kind of to throw this out there as well too, uh, for those who haven't gotten a chance to listen, uh, the Steve Dangle podcast, we're going to bump them a little bit. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to their coverage of this uh very good and they they explained it very well and unforced error so uh the question coming from mark lazarus of the athletic um and the question reading back also and i think much of what happened to kyle beach stemmed from a a power imbalance between a coach and a player and the powerlessness of a player in that situation so what are the blackhawks doing what have the blackhawks done what will the blackhawks do to empower a player in a similar situation to make sure that doesn't happen again i'm going to answer the question at the end I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward. And we're not going to talk about 2010. I'm we're, not talking about I, I know, and I'm not either. And we're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That is my answer. Now, what's your next question? Then at this point, Danny Wirtz, who... The son, the son of Rocky. Yeah, who is actually, in theory... Um, the actually heir apparent. Is, Anyway, so Danny tried to step in, essentially, because you can see he's very uncomfortable and watching, essentially, Rocky undo all of this work that Chicago has done to try to recover from this. I can pick up to what we are doing today. And I think no, I don't know. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. How is it not my business? Because I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. What more do I have to say? You want to keep asking the same question? You hear the same answer? Okay, ask the next question. So then Philip Thompson of the Chicago Tribune followed up with essentially a similar, similar question. And this is what I love about sports reporters essentially saying, no, you didn't, you didn't give an answer. Why didn't you give an answer? Explain yourself. Why is this? So Rocky Wirtz essentially didn't let the man speak for a good 20 seconds. A little mystified here because uh, during the general block briefing, uh, you guys talked about a change in culture and transparency and demonstrating the, the, the new culture and values um, that are going to protect players and protect the organization uh, in the future. And it seems like the, the second that we asked a question about that, um, it, it, it's met with resistance. So I'm going to ask it again. I answered it. No, I don't. I, I answered it. And I told you to get off the subject. You didn't I'm not gonna, we're not going to bring up the report. No, you I'm read not, it. We're not and, asking and, about the report. We're I know asking you're about talking about what the, what what the report the new... was talking about. And I told you we're, we're moving on. Now, we're I don't like these. The I, I think you're out of line to ask this future. line of questions. Why don't you ask about something else? Why don't you ask about the GM? Okay, I will ask Why don't you about, do something else? Okay, I Why will do you ask bring about up old, old business? Some of the some of the uh, season ticket holders that I've talked to said that um, they're having trouble maintaining value on their resale because you know a lot of people. Is that paying, a fact? Are you, are you, minute, I, I didn't realize you're my... in our ticket part department. Okay. What come I'm on. saying is, well, come on, could, let's if, talk about all the negative stuff. When I talk about your negative. paper and, how, people, and, what, and what the sports page looks dedicated. like, should I do that? No, these are dedicated. That you can't fans. even get our late scores. Whole... Rocky, can I finish my, my question? They say they want to uh, hold on because they value the Blackhawks, 
but they wanted to phrase some of the costs. You've seen that uh, the attendance has been dipping. Uh, I want to ask why you think it's dipping and what can they do to maintain their value so when they renew a package, uh, they can defray some of their costs. That's a fair question. Yes, it is. So Jamie can answer that. Yikes. Can I step in real fast? Yes, yes. Um, now, for those, again, you mentioned the Steve Dangle podcast. They unloaded. Yes, they Rightfully did. so on Rocky Words. And I'm, I'm, I'm about to unload there, too. Yeah. Um, the response and the tone, I think, is also important here, too, Noah, of his comments signifies how unfit he is to lead any yeah. business or organization whether it's the Chicago Blackhawks, hell, I wouldn't want him running a freaking Culver stand. You do, first of all, you do not get to pick and choose the questions that are asked on reporters. Go screw yourself. Sorry. And the and the first question about any of this for the Chicago Blackhawks organization since this ever came out, this was the first legitimate question that was asked to the organization in a year. Yeah. They had a year for this. I'm going to go in a bit of a rant here um, because I, I do want, I do want about two minutes here, Noah. Um, mm -hmm. No, here, here it is. Yeah. First opportunity, right? Don't, don't sit there and tell me that an organization like this who has, well, can't really get much. Well, well let me say it this way. You didn't think you could get lower, right? Don't tell me that there wasn't somebody knocking the door and was like, Hey, there's a lot of things that can go right with this. Also, a lot of things you could really screw up with this. Mm -hmm. The way that Rocky Wirtz, and, and again, the intonation to me is fascinating because he's upset. And I, I liked the way that the Steve Dangle podcast said, basically, he felt like he bought himself the problem away. I do, I do agree with that. I do think that mm -hmm. how upset that he was and how he was like, we're, I'm done talking about this. This, this is, this is all said and done the report came out shows that this human being that under his watch under his organization allowed this thing to happen now granted did he have a personal line in, in, in the water per se that you know actually culminated events no but it happened under his watch and if you're the overlord if you're the chair watching this take place right and it's brought to your attention. Now, they did the right thing and got the independent investigation and everything got out publicly. That's that's good. Don't get me wrong. But that doesn't mean it's over with. That doesn't mean you get to sit there and berate reporters that are actually. It was a softball question. Yeah, that was your opportunity to say, hey, since this reports came out, you know, we've taken this step and this step. And that was what Danny Wartz, who was trying to butt in, seeing the essentially gasoline being poured over oil, being poured over fireworks and then lit off, you know, by a nuclear submarine. He was trying to, and, it, and then he, and then the dad shut him off. Right. So yikes. I mean, to me, and for those who are calling for the NHL to do something, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Gary, it's, Batman, it's not. Gary Batman's in the back pocket uh, of, of owners that yeah, are original owners. six clubs. Well, not even that. I mean, as as the Dangle podcast also said, you know, it's hard to find the, it. It's hard to find owners, especially right now. The league is 
not doing so hot as a whole, and right? And they're the longest tenured ownership group they are. Uh, in the National Hockey League and one of the wealthiest. They are. So it's like you don't want to I mean, as they said, business takes over precedence. Um, so what what should happen, right, is people have called for Rocky to step down. I'm on that train. Rocky yep. Wurtz. I'm making this on record. He needs to be removed as CEO and chairman from the Chicago Blackhawks effective immediately. He has shown that he is unable to understand the, the impacts, not only in the immediate, but the lasting impacts after an investigation that takes on people. And, and again, if you're a player, a prospect, if you're in hockey operations, if you're an equipment manager, is the Chicago Blackhawks organization after this come up, is that an organization you want to go to? I don't think so. And I think you're, you're bringing up a, a point that I was about to get to. Um, think about this. And, and it's ironic because, you know, like, like a lot of people might not know, the Chicago Blackhawks purchased in 1954 by Rocky Wartz's dad. Um and had a bunch of television rights issues up until the nineties. And then Rocky Wars was actually somewhat of a savior uh, in terms of a lot of Chicago Blackhawks fans for what he did, his actions. And then obviously winning three Stanley cups until this has come to light. Don't know how much of a hand Danny has played in it. We'll have to see. Um, I'm still hesitant to really throw him fully into the fire in that. And by that, I mean, Danny Wirtz, not Rocky. Um, we'll have to see. Um, that's a discussion I think for, for another moment here. But think about this. Um, if you, you made a you made a humorous reference about Rocky Wars running a Culver stand, which I would, God, I would love to see that, wouldn't you? Just to see somebody on that yeah. low of a of a pedestal. Not that Culver's is a low pedestal, but comparatively, in this sense, CEO to uh, running a fast food restaurant, uh, a little yeah. bit different in terms of the social totem pole for sure. Yeah, although Culver's Butterburgers can't beat them anyway. But um, yes. besides this. <laughs> Do you think that Rocky Wirtz just suddenly became angry one day? Just suddenly no. woke up and became angry? He's, this, he's, no. Think about this. Think about people have worked for this man for decades. And that's exactly this, how he's treated people this for is decades. True, this is his true character showing, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's my way or the highway. And it's one of those where, geez, I mean, if if this is what it's like to deal with adversity, under his watch. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, it goes to show it, it's almost, it's strangely linear and parallel to how it was handled in the first place with the people that were underneath in 2010 and, and, and similar. And, and think about that. You know, you talk about, yes, they did the right thing with the Jenner and block investigation Cause they had to, cause they yeah. had to, cause what did they do for the previous six months? All they did was deny and they cover up everything. and call the claims baseless. And how about this, Nick, you've got three more, um, lawsuits that are coming out of this related to a sexual assault or misconduct Just the day after. Exactly. Now, and uh, I, you know, I gotta be honest, it kind of goes back similar to um, the, the great piece by Katie Strang against the ownership group of how the Arizona coyotes who are, are a dumpster of a franchise right now, um, how they were run. I gotta be honest. I really foresee potentially another Katie Strang piece in the future detailing the actual internal what is it like or what has yeah. it been like to work for the Chicago Blackhawks for the past 10, 20, 30 years? Because, you know, there, are, I, I hate to say it, it, you know, there are times where you have the good old boys club, the good old white boys club, to be fair, mm -hmm. that have controlled 
the power market in any business realm, not just hockey, that have these outdated views that, like you said, believe they can use financial gain to control everything. And when they don't get their way, act like a, a toddler in distress instead of being freaking rational for two seconds and letting your own son who's trying to pull you out of the burning building. That's the thing. He doesn't even see that the building's on fire. That's the problem is I, I mean, honestly, he, if Rocky sees it, first of all, he didn't even listen to the question properly, which tells you that the minute he heard anything referencing that he shut off, he, yeah. he was done listening to the question. All he yeah. wanted to do was move on from it. It was, was nothing. It was nothing about Kyle Beach, and it was nothing that's what about I mean. tw- 2010. It really, it, it had really, it had nothing to do with anything before like f- February or March of 2021. <laughs> no, but that that shows you how insulated he felt from it. That when any sort of reference came to that, to that you know thing that took place. Um, he went immediately into frustration. Like I thought I was done with this Two, Why can't we talk about something else? Three, uh, we, we already talked about it. So we we deflect straw man. This is not my problem. Why, why can't we talk about positives instead of the negatives all the time? I mean, geez, he's the, he's the upset grandpa sitting at home. You talk about uh, Nick, you, you, you love law references quite a bit. I know you do. We talk about incriminating evidence, and obviously the Jenner and Block report talked about absolving the Wurtzes uh, of any wrongdoing in this. And again, Danny Wurtz, I think, is a separate conversation. But Nick, if you were sitting and watching a testimony for anything, could be could be a, a quadruple murder, could be a parking ticket, and whoever I would hope if, I, if I'm on the board <laughs> listening to a parking ticket, I got better things to do. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, you know. You have somebody up there and they say, sir, you know, this, ha- this, whatever happened in question, you know, acknowledging that something happened and the person sitting up there said, why do you want to talk about that? Why do you want to talk about the negatives? Let's talk about something else. Here's imagine, the imagine the reaction. People don't deflect things unless something is up related to that. And yes, we've gotten the multitude of the things from the Jenner and Block report, but I think it goes deeper into people with power, people with money, get used to feeling like they're in control of things, that they're a step above people. Well, and in some and in some senses, just based on the way society works financially and personality-wise, they are in control. They are in power. There is a struggle where they are over top of a lot of people. But as you know, Nick, let's take a St. Cloud State Huskies example here. When Brett Larson walks into the locker room, Brett Larson is the head honcho, right? Brett Larson's the guy. Everyone Mm -hmm. listens to Brett. But that makes Brett highly accountable for his actions and the actions and decisions that he makes that affect the coaching staff around him, the 25 or so players underneath him, the stats crew, the ice crew, everybody that interacts with him. You know who does a really great job at being accountable and being in a, it, to be fair, a power situation. The man makes 400 grand a year. Congratulations to Brett. I got some college tuition. Call me. Um, <laughs> Brett Larson does because he understands the temperature of the room. He understands 
the culture that needs to happen. Rocky it's, works. It's not it a, is, here's, it, here's the problem though. It's Rocky not about under, it's don't don't tell me it's understanding. It's it's about caring. That's that's what I'm saying. Rocky Wirtz is because he's been in this power situation, albeit probably from his dad and having a financial financial success to begin with, has been so far removed from what the temperature of normal is yeah. in a working environment that he has no freaking clue how to care, how to be accountable, how to understand the nope. people underneath him because, hey, I'm the chairman of the Chicago Blackhawks. I have all this money. I'm Rocky Wartz of the Wartz family. Instead of realizing it doesn't matter. What are you doing about that secretary, for example, uh, theoretically, that was harassed last week? Are you handling that? Or did it get swept under the rug because – Oh, heaven forbid we're trying to win a coveted trophy trophy that will now forever be tainted. You know, it, it, it's, it's funny because, you know, you talk about the power struggle, you talk about how money plays a large part in that um, all valid points. Cause yeah, it's, it's, you're insulated. I, I like the term insulated mm-hmm. because you do build sort of like this faux castle wall around you. And if there's anything that breaks through that wall, which rarely does, right? Or knocks on the door, you hand money up and say, go take care of that for me. Right. It's anything can be and just swept aside. And that goes back um, to char- character. Uh, well, by yeah, and large. I mean, well, I mean, no kidding, but so here, and since you made the law of reference, right, we'll, we'll do this real quick. Dun, dun, dun. I know. <laughs> so my, my favorite, law sort of like cliche is there's the people's court and then there's a court of law right um the people's court you can say anything the hell you want and there's no repercussions uh yeah there is actually and rocky warts proved that it has a lot of consequences and, today and, and, and damn if it's not even more powerful than the legal system in some it senses. is because yeah. because here's the thing you can have a court of law say one thing what about the millions of people who are blackhawk season ticket holders or fans yeah. or just fans of the NHL that are like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not being no. a part of this. Especially, you know? especially when the NHL is, is really trying to change its culture identity, right. With, you know, hockey's for everyone talking about the LGBTQ community, um, the hockey diversity Alliance and, you know, the, the attacks on racism. Right. So they're really as a league. Now we could have the argument as to how much that, you know, moves the needle, or if it's more of the PR side, I mean, I think that's a fair conversation for a different point, but hockey knows it has a problem. That's the thing. And it's doing some things maybe kind of, are they, I don't know. I, I because the hockey diversity Alliance was not a league thing. That's players that did it themselves. And you know, the, these hockey fights, cancers, you know, hockey for everyone, these, you know, programs or these initiatives, as you call it, um, it's better than nothing, but is it really changing the inner culture of the league? No, no, it's I, th- I think you go back to, I mean, we've had th- at least three large incidents related to racism in the past year in hockey. I think those have probably been potentially the best handled just because of the suspension pieces. But you go back to this, Nick, think about this one. When, when I was younger, when I was in high school, um, obviously I had an a- opportunity to read Theo Fleury's uh, book, Catching Fire, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think that's what it's titled. Um, apolo- yep. Yeah. Apologies if I messed up that title, but um, coming out, uh, you know, a little bit before my high school days, that was right around the time. Uh, shortly thereafter, I believe um, 
where the Chicago Blackhawks won their first Stanley Cup in 2010. Think about that. We are almost 15 years removed from one of the most well-documented cases of sexual abuse in hockey history. Mm -hmm. And it's taken us 15 years for one of the largest organizations in hockey to not only acknowledge what they did, but then take 75 steps backwards to not talk about this problem that has plagued our favorite sport for generations. And, and you know what? It's unacceptable. It's, it's unacceptable. And you know what? You know what? It's not funny. But what's 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 curious to me is had he actually listened to the entire question? Because I really don't. I really do think that once he understood that where the question was referenced, I think he shut off his ears. I really do. Um, had he actually listened to the full question, all he literally had to say was, "You know what?" And he does not have to get in specifics. You know, you could have said something like, you know, we're, we're making changes. We got things in the works. You know, it's not fully done yet. You know, once, you know, we'll talk about that at a later, you know, later time. But we, yeah. we have something there in place. However, having that being said, what I want to make sure that, you know, I think what blows, I think the ultimate acts and what's going to sink his, his ship is when he goes out and says to the reporter, Mark Lazarus, again, of The Athletic, if you worked for the company, I would tell you. If since you don't work for it, it's none of your business. Yeah. What? So you you talk about all the things we just previously discussed, right? You you wrap that in one. Uh, no, you are the chairman of a professional sports organization that is publicly transparent, and more so, you just. By reason of force, again, if it wasn't for Rick Westhead and these lawsuits, and, and I think honestly, what drove the ship was when you know a lot of these other sources that came out that worked for the Blackers at the time actually put themselves on record to kind of force along some legitimacy to this. This never would have came to light, and the fact that he wants to take what would be the only positive from this, and that is, you know. What have what have we done to make sure this doesn't happen again? He made it into the biggest negative about that is it doesn't matter what happens. It, 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 he echoed what got him in this mess in the first place. Hey, it's none of your business what happens on my walls. You don't work for the company. Same thing as 2010. Hey guys, this is under the rug, and this is you know I'm thinking third person here, right? You know, swept under the rug. That was Joel Quenville. That was other people in that front office. That was you know Bowman, and he echoes that. Nothing's yeah. changed. Nothing's yeah, and changed. Ha- and, ha- and having Patrick Sharp and Marion Hosa um, be currently hired by the team recently is 20, not a good yeah. look, obviously, no. as well, too. But, um, you know, the other thing, too, is uh, – and the Steve Dangle podcast put this together very eloquently. But, you know, going back to the phrase, you know, if you work for the company, I would tell you. Well, if Danny Wirtz would have turned right there and said, I work for the company, tell them. Would he have done it? Absolutely not. No. Because he believes that he is the be all end all. Yep. And and in, and in some and in some senses, yes, he is. But like we talked about, there is a power and a responsibility and an accountability that comes along with that, where you represent not only the company, not only the Wurtz family. Forget all about all of that. You represent an entire fan base, and by extension, you represent the National Hockey League, and by yeah. extension, you represent the game of hockey. Your yep. answer has far-reaching consequences 
who gives a shit about the Chicago Blackhawks? No, I mean, nobody does right now, but I could, I could care less. Same with the Arizona Coyotes in their arena situation. We're sick of hearing about Arizona. But Arizona's arena woes, for all of their issues, don't really have a whole lot of bearing on anything outside of Arizona and actually probably have some support for Arizona State University. This is not one of those cases. This has far-reaching consequences that goes back to, and you think about this, we talked about um, you know, John Doe number two reaching a settlement and now that's it for that's it for them. You know, yep. just paying off settlement after settlement after settlement instead of deeply looking at this problem problem that has been well rooted in hockey well, for years. Yeah. Um it, it's, it's, angering. Yeah. It's, it, angering. it's 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 angering. And to be fair, you mean when you when you settle in court, right? You you, you often just you know sign a non disclosure agreement, you know, on the terms and everything else, and it it does one thing, and the one thing only just gets rid of the lawsuit. That's all it does. Like as you mentioned, it doesn't actually attack or address the the issues at hand. I will say this because you know, as as a reporter, right? You you think of is there, and I think this is actually kind of fun, but this is just me. Um, I thought about. You know, what if I was Mark Lazarus and I heard that answer from Rocky and there's a cynical part of me because I can be kind of cynical sometimes. <laughs> and if I didn't have any sort of consequences for a follow up question and I just gave zero F's about because hearing it the first time I was feeling enraged in my own just listening to it. Right. Yeah. And and, 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 to, and to be fair, not to interrupt you, but Mark Lazarus was very sensitive and cordial about that question. It was. wasn't like he said, oh, you guys remember when you messed up and did this? What are you doing now? It was, he was right. very sensitive about the question. He was. And again, you know, we, we talked about, you know, I think how Wurtz actually heard it. Um, but I would have said, OK, if if you don't want to talk about 2010 and you think that I don't work for your company and I'm not entitled to it then how come there's a three other people outside your organization are hurt by your actions? So sorry. So can I, so then the question I'd ask is, so why is it that what you're trying to fix is only internal yet? Everything you do has effects externally, Rocky. Yeah. I would have loved to have heard that reaction. I would have loved to have heard it because honestly, if he's, if, if someone's going to blow their stack to me and maybe it's just my hockey brain, I kind of want to just fuel the fire because yeah. if you're going to sink your own ship, I want to do it with absolute, like I want to do it with a hellstorm, honestly. Yeah. Um, especially the way that was handled. But um, I suppose we're we're getting close to uh, you know the time here, Noah. So let's uh, maybe some final thoughts for this, right? So I, I guess you know we, we talked about how we, we both think that Rocky should step down, um, but I think the bigger question is how does Chicago move forward from this? I guess how, how do you even begin? to try to sew back together some very broken relationships with the fans, the people inside your own organization, with the national hockey league, how, how do you move forward from this? I think that's the ultimate question from this. I just think, you know, we talk about recognition of the problem and, you know, my kind of final thought on it is think about this, you know, all of this effort that's gone into essentially winning a Stanley cup in 2010 covering up all these things, attacking the lawsuit until they realize they need an investigation, accepting the investigation and trying to move forward, but then having Rocky Wirtz say he's not moving forward. Think about all of that, Nick. All of that effort 
all of that work to try to cover up one of the most damning things that a human can do to another human in terms of sexual abuse. What if you would put all that effort into protecting people into doing what's right when someone comes up and says, Hey, someone did this to me at work. Hey, this happened to me instead of sweeping it under the rug. What if all that effort was actually truly and honest to God focused on doing something like that? I believe in my heart of hearts and I have to, because if I don't, I'll go freaking crazy, Nick. I have to believe. And I, I hope that Danny Wirtz and the rest of the Chicago Blackhawks do have things in place internally that are continuing to grow and combat this. They have a committee together. That's able to take a look at what needs to be changed in the company. They have uh, uh, human resources and the like that are able to handle those situations appropriately and are working to continue to grow in those things. I hope that that exists. But if it doesn't, shame on them. And if it doesn't, for the other 31 teams in the National Hockey League, for all 60-plus Division One teams, because don't forget Miami of Ohio was a piece in this too. Very small piece, but they were. They were, yep. And I think they handled their situation somewhat appropriately, but not appropriately enough. Uh, mm-hmm. That's another That's another discussion. Um, they took prompt action. That's what I'm trying to say. Although the action wasn't beneficial in the end for the rest of the game of hockey, but there is a trickle down effect. When someone wakes up in the morning, Nick, I love you to death. Little five-year-old's not thinking of Nick Maxson out, out on the pond in Apple Valley. Nick Maxson's thinking about Patrick Kane coming down and beating Michael Layton in game six of the Stanley Cup final in 2010. You're telling me he's not influenced by that? Be better. Be better. And when you're going to be better, demonstrate it. Show us what you're doing. Show us the change that's happening. We finally hit that point years after Akeem Alou, for example. Yep. In racism and hockey diversity. This is a slow moving train that needs a unbelievable amount of nitrous to get the ball rolling here because that's just the way hockey is. That's the way as much as I think Gary Bettman has done a lot of good things for hockey, that's the way the old regime will always be. And there needs to be a changing of the guard in terms of our mentality in the way that we don't release something to be a PR campaign. We release something because we have a plan in place to actually be advocates for change. So. Well said, Um, you know, I think again, you know, you hope that there are some things and it sounded like before he was, brazenly cut off that there are some things at least either in the works or some things that are in place. Right. Um, now that's one part of it, right? The other part of it is when things are in place, who is in charge of making sure those things stay in place, who is in charge of making sure that if those new safeguards are there, that they're being followed. And that if something were to arise, that there's people that are a in place, but number two empowered, right empowered to follow up on those and make sure that they're handled the way that it should have been 12 years ago right and, so and i and i know the league obviously you know hopefully starts to set this up and i know that you know for example Sheldon Kennedy has been a very active advocate Sheldon Kennedy one of those guys that is mentioned in Theo Fleury's book and i don't know that he would ever do this but wouldn't you wouldn't you love to see someone or a group of people like your Sheldon Kennedys your Theo Fleury's your Kyle Beaches be a legitimate organizational committee within the national hockey league that handles things specifically like this, knowing what they know and having 
obviously a legal team around them that's able to support them in some of those finer details and aspects. But knowing that you have guys that they've lived through this and they understand all aspects of what needs to happen, what didn't happen for them and how no one else should ever go through something like that. I would love to see something like that. And I think it should happen. I think it's time. I think it's, I think it was time 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I agree. So, So. but you know, Nick on a positive note, might I add, we got a lot of freaking hockey coming up this week. How cool is that? A lot of hockey, um, men's hockey, women, men's hockey, women's hockey on Tuesday. I have a lot of shirts to wash. I have a lot of laundry to do. Yes. yes. Yeah. Big it's week for Nick Maxson in, in the big household. week. Yeah. Um, yeah. As far as behind the mic and uh, enforcing for the lens, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. This... Three, three games on Tuesday. Minnesota Wild play as well. Men's prelims start Wednesday. Women's Olympic hockey is going on right now. Both Huskies, men's and women's play this weekend. Uh, Minnesota plays, I believe, on Saturday against Carolina. Like Carolina. That's the makeup game going from on. January. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. But uh, with that being said, Noah, um, I think we'll wrap it up there. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening to uh, uh, us tirade here against the Chicago Blackhawks um, and as well as the main portion of the show. Um, it, it was, it, And again, we it's not that we wake up and we love to talk about these things, Noah, You know, oh, especially gosh, no. you know these things. But I think if there's one thing I've really appreciated about what we do is we're not afraid to tackle these head on. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean we're always right on it. Doesn't mean that, yeah. uh, you know, we don't, you know, maybe even fully understand the the entire situation that is at hand. Uh, but I think we have enough grasp on this one, particularly, to understand that. Yeah, and this, really, it really comes back to you know, yeah, you're listening to us driving in your car or eating a eating eating a sandwich on a on a Monday or something like that on a, on a good day, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, when you actually get lunch, but really what it goes back to is it's you, the listeners, right. That have yeah. family and kids that go back. We hope that you're empowered to be an advocate for change in the game of hockey or wherever it is in your community, because this isn't a hockey issue. This is a human yeah. issue that happens to involve the game of hockey. So uh, yeah, obviously very, in some ways privileged and blessed to be able to try to help lead that charge. And uh, like I mentioned, if you have not gotten a chance to check out, Steve Dangle's coverage of this. Uh, you'll be a little bit angry when you get done listening to it, but it, it was well, well said. So, Absolutely. Uh, so that'll wrap it up here for us for episode 98. Again, I'm Nick Maxson. Noah Grant's also here. Uh, we'll see you back in the den for episode 99 next week. We will see you then. One-timer coming, they score! She scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies alongside. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real! Welcome to the NHL, a game winner. St. Cloud Cathedral is now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.